God knows everything about us, and He still loves us. Isn't that amazing when you stop to think about it? Here's John Randall. He knew what was really going on inside. He knew that Zacchaeus was a crooked little man. He knew that he was a thief. He knew that he was hated by everyone. He knew everything about Zacchaeus, and he loved Zacchaeus, and that is why he sought him. You know, friend, today God knows everything about you. He knows who you are in public. He knows who you are in private. He knows everything about you, and he loves you. And that is why he is seeking you. That is why he is seeking to draw you. When setting out to accomplish a goal, we often find obstacles in our way that hinders our progress. That's to be expected. But what if we are the obstacles? What if, as the saying goes, we are our own worst enemies? In that case, there may never be any real progress. Today on A Daily Walk, Jesus has a divine appointment with a rich young man named Zacchaeus. Like the man we met last time, he was young and very wealthy. Let's see what we can take away from this story. Luke chapter 19, and I want to draw your attention beginning in verse 1. And it says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste, came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. In the previous chapter, Jesus had revealed to his disciples that in the very near future, when they arrived in Jerusalem, that he would be mocked, he would be beaten, he would be killed, he would then rise from the dead the third day. And they are making their way to Jerusalem, and along this journey, they pass through a city called Jericho. Now, we know from the book of Joshua in the Old Testament that the original city of Jericho was destroyed and even cursed. However, the city had been rebuilt and divided into two separate cities. The ancient city had a population of people that was more like a, a hamlet or a village, it was rather small. But there was also about one mile from the ancient city, a new city called the New Jericho. And this was built by Herod the Great. And the city was about a thousand feet below sea level and one of the most desired locations to live in or to visit because of the warm climate throughout the year. The city was also well known for its balsam trade and date palms. In fact, history reveals that this balsam trade became so lucrative and so desirable that at one time, Mark Antony had given the rights to Cleopatra. But at this time in history, Herod the Great had taken ownership once again of this precious commodity, and he had actually capitalized upon the opportunity that it presented. And because Jericho was so rich in the balsam trade and there was so much industry going on in this region, it also brought about a great amount of taxation. 
So Jesus and his disciples are now passing through this area, but Jesus has a divine appointment with one man. And we read in verse 2, Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. As a child, I grew up in Sunday school, perhaps like some of you. And I can recall one of the songs that we used to sing, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. (laughs) A wee little man was he. And he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And you get the idea when you sing that song that this little man must have been nice. I mean, must, I mean he was vertically challenged, but he was nice, man. And, and, and he climbed trees. And so you get this impression that he was probably a really nice little guy. Elfish in one sense, perhaps. <laughs> but the name Zacchaeus, it means innocent and pure. When parents named their children, it was with the hopes that they would live up to their name. But Zacchaeus did not grow up to be innocent and pure, but rather he was dishonest and wicked. And the reason is he was a chief tax collector. And we've considered the nature and the character of tax collectors before in Luke's gospel. But in order to be a tax collector, you had to buy your position from the Roman government. And the tax collectors would then be required to collect a certain amount of taxes from the people per capita. That's actually where that that comes from during this time, per capita, per the population, which would include property tax and income tax and a host of other taxes as well. But anything that a tax collector could get above and beyond what Rome required, he would keep for himself. And the tax collectors were notorious for exploiting their own people, and thus they were despised by everyone. There was a price to pay to hold the position and have the occupation of a tax collector. You would not be able to attend the synagogue. You could not have any social relationships with people Because people would not want to be near you. By being in your presence, they would be polluted and considered unclean. So the only people that you could really associate with if you were a tax collector were other unclean and defiled tax collectors. It was a lonely life. In fact, the Jewish rabbinic writings known as the Talmud describe and declare that it was permissible to lie to a murderer, to a thief, and a tax collector. And the reason was because they engaged in such criminal injustice. In the minds of the people, there was only one thing that was worse than a tax collector, and that was to be the chief of the tax collectors. You were the worst of the worst. You're the lowest of the low. But we find that this little man was filled with curiosity concerning Jesus. And it says in verse 3, he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not Because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. And so he ran ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. Somehow, news had reached the ears of Zacchaeus that Jesus was passing through his town. And the Bible says that he sought to see him. The language implies he kept on trying to see him. What was it that Raise the curiosity of Zacchaeus. Why do you suppose that he would want to get a glimpse of this Savior whose name was Jesus? 
Perhaps Zacchaeus had heard how that Jesus had not that long ago made a tax collector whose name was Levi, Matthew as you know him to be, one of his disciples. Levi was employed at the tax office in Capernaum, which was not far from this area of Jericho. Perhaps they were associates and he knew that he had left everything and decided to be a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus actually accepted him and made him a disciple. Perhaps that was the thing that sparked his interest. Or Maybe he had heard how that Jesus ministered to sinners, how that he welcomed them. He was called the friend of sinners. He was numbered amongst the transgressions and ridiculed because he received such people. And Zacchaeus certainly fit that category. It is possible that Zacchaeus was tired of living this life. He was tired of, of, of the guilt and the shame, and, and maybe he just grew weary of it all, and he realized, I have all of this wealth and all of these things, but I'm empty. And I think perhaps Jesus may have something that I need that I do not yet possess. We don't exactly know why, but we do know that he was motivated. You know, people have different reasons for inquiring about Jesus or coming to church. Something prompts their interest, and so they show up. Maybe their mother invited them for months on end, and it's Christmas, and here you are. All right, Mom, I'll go to church with you. And here you are in this place hearing the word of God today. Or maybe you're in a situation right now where things are difficult. Some trial has hit your life, some tragedy even. And you realize, you know what? I, I, I don't have the strength to go through this. I need to get to church. Or maybe you were going to church at one time. Whatever it is, God has used these circumstances in your life to bring you to this point to draw you to himself. Now, when Zacchaeus sought to see Jesus, there were many obstacles standing in his way. For one thing, he was short in stature and he could not see over the crowds. I can relate. Have you ever been to a parade? <laughs> you ever been to a parade and everyone's standing there and, and they just, that you can't see over them? Some of you don't relate, but, but you know. <laughs> and you just try to push your way through the crowd and you wish that one of these giant-like people would just put you on their shoulders so you could see the crowd, see the, the parade passing by. But no one was going to let Zacchaeus in. It almost appears that they were blocking him out. Oh, it's Zacchaeus. Make sure he doesn't get to see Jesus blocking him out. But this little man, he would not be denied. He had spent his whole life fighting the crowds. You imagine growing up in, in, in school and being a wee little man? I mean, you just, you learn to fight, you learn to run, you learn to do whatever you have to do to get ahead. You're the chief tax collector. You're not just a tax collector. If I'm going to be, I'm going to be the chief. And so... What he does next is probably people were rather surprised. It says he ran ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass by that day. I want you to picture in your mind, imagine a man dressed in the most expensive suit that you've ever seen. And he's also got a briefcase and it's nice. He's got these incredible $700 shoes and he's running down the street, sprinting. And you think, that's really weird. Why would that guy, you don't normally sprint in a suit. That was Zacchaeus. And not only that, you think that's uncharacteristic. It was in that culture, that was not the cultural norm for somebody like this to run. You don't run anywhere. You send people to run for you and you wait for them to come back. So he's running with his robes, pulling them up, running down the street. Is that Zacchaeus running? I didn't even know he could run. <laughs> but what he does next is even more uncharacteristic of someone in his position. He climbed up a tree. That's the last time you climbed up a tree. 
So he climbs up this tree, and he's hanging out there, and he's, he's waiting. I would love to see what this was like. And so he's waiting there for Jesus. He overcomes the obstacles. And while he's sitting there in the tree, it says in verse 5, when Jesus came to the place, that he looked up, and he saw him. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. It says that Jesus came to the place. He came to where Zacchaeus was, and he met him there. Where were you when Jesus met you? What place were you in when the Lord came and found you? When the Lord initiated relationship with you? Where were you? Do you remember the place? The place that you were was exactly where he met you. He came and met you where you were. He sought you out. He's the good shepherd that goes after the lost sheep. And he came and he found you. And it says here that he not only came to the place, but he saw Zacchaeus. And the vision of Jesus was much different than any other person. For Jesus could see not only the exterior of a person, he could see the heart of a person. He knew what was really going on inside. He knew that Zacchaeus was a crooked little man. He knew that he was a thief. He knew that he was hated by everyone. He knew everything about Zacchaeus, and he loved Zacchaeus, and that is why he sought him. You know, friend, today, God knows everything about you. He knows who you are in public. He knows who you are in private. He knows everything about you, and he loves you, and that is why he is seeking you. That is why he is seeking to draw you, and so Jesus comes, and he sees Zacchaeus there. He knows everything about him. The Bible says there is no creature hidden from God's sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God sees you. He knows about you, and he loves you. And so Zacchaeus is there, and he, he wants to see Jesus. And Jesus not only sees Zacchaeus, but what happened next would have been shocking to everyone, including Zacchaeus. For when Jesus looks up and sees him in the tree, he calls him by name. Hey, Zacchaeus, he knows my name. I mean, he knows who I am. And then he says, why don't you come down from there? I must stay at your house today. My house? My, you're going to stay at my house you know who I am, right? I'm Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector. It says that Jesus declared, I must stay at your house. You remember in John's gospel, the fourth chapter, when Jesus was near the area of Samaria, he said to his disciples, I must pass through Samaria. Why was he intent on passing through Samaria? Because there was a woman there who was at a well who needed to be saved. He said, I must go through there. And here he comes to Zacchaeus and he says, I must stay at your house. I must be with you today. I don't want to miss this opportunity. And so make haste and get down. Well, what would Zacchaeus' response be? Well, it says here that Zacchaeus in verse 6, he made haste, came down, and received him joyfully. No hesitation in his response. It was immediate. Not only was it immediate, but it was joyful. Zacchaeus could not believe that this rabbi would want to stay with him. And so he got down from that tree quickly and received him joyfully. Let me ask you something today. Have you received Jesus joyfully? Have you made haste to respond to the call of God? Or are you one of those people who has procrastinated and put it off and not received him joyfully? You're one of those people that says, I'll get around to it when I have time for it. Or one of these days, I'll, you know, surrender my life to God and I'll serve God. You know, I'll get around to it. Listen, friend, you may never get around to it. There is not a more convenient time than right now 
The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Don't procrastinate. Don't wait. Receive it with joy. Make haste, friend, because you may never have this same opportunity again. It might pass you by. Zacchaeus could have easily stayed in the tree and said, it's cool, Jesus. Just keep on going. I, I don't, it's all right. I have everything that I need. I just wanted to check you out. No, he got down and quickly got down and received Jesus joyfully. He made haste. Now, it says in verse 7, but then, or when they saw it, that is the crowd, the multitudes that were also surrounding Jesus, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. There were haters in the crowd, to be sure. It says that all complained, everyone, all of the people there could not understand how Jesus could reach out to such a sinful man. Jesus was continually criticized for reaching out to people who were lost, people who were in need. For Jesus to meet at Zacchaeus' home would be a total and complete act of religious incorrectness. But it didn't bother Jesus. People couldn't understand. They were criticizing the compassion of Jesus because they didn't understand the ministry of Jesus. Jesus will say in only a moment's time, I came to seek and to save those who were lost. Well, what happened while Jesus was a guest in Zacchaeus's home? Something wonderful happened. A conversion, salvation came to the home of Zacchaeus. For in verse eight, it says, then Zacchaeus stood and said, Lord, look, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. As Jesus came into Zacchaeus' home, he also came into Zacchaeus' heart and his life. In Revelation, the Lord says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone will open the door, I will come in and dine with him and have fellowship with him. Zacchaeus opened up his home and really he opened up his heart. And when Jesus came into his life, everything changed. His mindset Changed. His perspective changed. His heart changed. His entire life changed. It is very obvious by the, by the things that he did. The actions were a demonstration of his salvation. He, he didn't offer half of his goods, everything that this wealthy man owned. Half of everything I have, I give away to people who are in need, who are poor. And if that's not enough, everybody I've ripped off, I will give them back fourfold. I mean, that's really a true sign of a conversion. This guy is, is genuine. Jesus didn't ask him to give away half of his goods to feed the poor. This was something that he wanted to do because his life was changed. He wanted everybody to know, I am not the same man. And this was clearly a demonstration. He didn't do these things to earn salvation. He did these things as a result of salvation. You know, when somebody's truly converted, when somebody is truly born again, their life changes. It just does. Your speech changes. He used to speak profane words all the time, dropping this and dropping that and throwing that out. And suddenly you're, something happened to you. You start saying, praise the Lord. And 
Hallelujah, and how can I pray for you? Did I just say that out loud? You did. It's a change. I don't know how it happens. It just does. It's something God does in your life. It's not something you can, you know, stop on your own and get a swear jar, and I'm going to put money in there every time. This is going to make me stop. It won't make you stop. By the way, I always marvel at people when they do things like that. Because they, they have this jar, and they fill it up, and they go spend it on, they go out to dinner. It's like, and celebrate? Why? <laughs> it's something only God can do. And Zacchaeus is a completely different man. He was formerly spiritually blind, but now he could see. He was dead, now he's alive. And notice he calls Jesus Lord. He said, Lord. In other words, my life is submitted to you, surrendered to you. Lord, look, everything that I've done, I wanna make it right. I wanna live differently now because you are a part of my life. This was a radical conversion, a genuine conversion, and Jesus acknowledged salvation has come to this home. By the way, you remember last time we were together, we looked at another very wealthy man, a rich young ruler. You remember? And this rich young ruler, Jesus came to him and he told him, listen, I want you to sell your stuff and then I want you to come follow me and you have treasure in heaven. And it says, when he heard this, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. And the disciples saw this man go away and, and, and they were in shock that, that he did not respond. And they wondered, how could this guy not be saved? Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They said, well, who can be saved? And Jesus said, with men, it is impossible, but with God, it is possible. And here you find the possibility of salvation, even with a wealthy man who submits and surrenders his life to Christ. And he gave everything away because he wanted to follow Jesus. Salvation had come to him. Salvation was made possible by God. And then Jesus makes this statement. And how I love it. It says, for the son of man, verse 10, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Did you know, friend, that this is really the true, genuine meaning of Christmas? That God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And why did he come? To seek and to save those who were lost. Even from the very beginning of man's existence, all the way back in the book of Genesis, when man first failed there in the garden and sinned, man, being aware of his condition, sought to hide from God. And God, making his way through the garden, said, called out Adam's name, seeking him. Adam, where are you? And it wasn't the voice of an arresting officer, but it was the voice of a broken-hearted father seeking out a lost son. Where are you, Adam? You're listening to A Daily Walk with our teacher and pastor, John Randall. Hear the study again anytime you'd like at adailywalk.org and sign up for our free podcast so you can start receiving biblical encouragement on a regular basis. If you'd rather have a CD copy sent your way, that's available for a cost of $5. You can order by phone at 877-242-0828. Have you downloaded our free app? This is a great way to listen to weekly teachings from John. Search for Calvary South OC. It's always encouraging to hear from our listeners. Even just a brief email letting us know you're listening and where means a lot. It's an opportunity to say thanks to God for what he's doing. Share a praise report or a prayer request today. You can email that to us at adailywalk at gmail.com. That's adailywalk at gmail.com. We've got a timely resource to share with you today. It's Barry Stagner's book, The Time of the Signs. 
This will give you a chronology of Earth's final events. As you study the signs Jesus foretold, you'll gather evidence that proves we are living in the very time of these signs. You'll also gain a clear understanding of what will happen and when. That's the time of the signs. Just $12 at adailywalk.org. You can also call 877-242-0828. A Daily Walk is made possible through the support of listeners just like you. With your help, we're able to deliver God's good news all over the nation and world. Would you consider helping us in this venture to get the word out? People are being blessed and helped in their daily walk. Again, to make a secure donation, drop by adailywalk.org or call us 877-242-0828. Get in on the family business as you join us next time for A Daily Walk. Our King has gone away for a time. He is coming again. And in the interim of that time, as we are waiting for him to return, what are we supposed to be doing? We're to do business till he comes. Well, what kind of business? Our father's business. Do you know what your father's business in? Are you part of the family business? What is the family business? It's preaching and sharing the gospel. Every single one of us have equal opportunity. We have been entrusted with a message of the gospel. You've heard that message. I've heard that message. And, and doing business till he comes is not simply sitting in a chair waiting for him to arrive. It's living my life for Christ, preaching the gospel, living the gospel. That is a stewardship that every single person here has been given. That is a command from the king. That's what he told his disciples to do, to occupy until he comes, to be his ambassadors, to preach and to proclaim the gospel as if God himself were pleading through us for men to be reconciled to God. That is our stewardship that we've been given. So we'll be in Luke chapter 19 the rest of the week. Join us as we go through the Bible on a daily walk with John Randall. A Daily Walk is a presentation of Calvary South O.C.